Welcome to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2. Today we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Okay, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be the host uh, here for the next hour on the Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you're tuning in for the first time, this show features a wide range of guests who care about talent and are uniquely talented themselves. On this show, we talk about talent in both those ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has those two different meanings in the business world, and I and the guests on this show really look to explore those two areas. My guests include CEOs, entrepreneurs, uh, HR executives, all different types of people from all different types of industries. When I'm out at networking events and industry conferences and roundtables, I have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. So I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and learn some practical advice that will hopefully impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today, though, I want to thank those of you tuning in live today. But don't forget, you can uh, submit your questions to my guest via Twitter. Just tweet your questions to at PeopleG2 and use the hashtag TalentTalk. My producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions and we'll try to work them into the show. Don't forget, you can also listen to this show via our podcast on iTunes or Android, uh, as well as subscribe to have the weekly show sent to you. This uh, this week, I think we've just surpassed the 12,000 uh, subscriber listener mark uh, on our podcast feed. And so if you're already listening that way, we really appreciate it. With that said, let's get today's show started. My guests are Taylor McPartide, McPartland, excuse me. I wouldn't see it wouldn't be a show if I didn't mess it up at least once. And I've done it already at the beginning, so maybe that'll that's a good luck. I won't do it again. Taylor McPartland, president and co-founder of Filmbreak, and Stephen Rothberg, president and founder of College Recruiting or CollegeRecruiter.com. Stephen will be joining me in the second half of the show, so let's welcome our first guest. Taylor, welcome to the show. My apologies for messing up your name already on the first shot. <laughs> Get it out of the way early, and then uh, then we can go from there. That's right. That's right. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. So tell us about yourself and your company, Filmbreak. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I, as you said, I co-founded Filmbreak about three, three and a half years ago. Um, I have a background in uh, production, and I came up with the original concept for the company just because I saw that there was a, a real need, digital and social technology, um, and digital and social marketing, and how it was being underused in in the independent and the up-and-coming film communities. And so, uh, I brought together a or I was part of a great team that created this company, Filmbreak, which is now a data-driven marketing platform uh, with the goal of bridging the gap between filmmakers and celebrities and their fans. And what we do is we give those celebrities and those filmmakers the ability to engage audiences early on uh, in the production process and then uh, have real-time data and insight into who those fans are and what they like. So what are their fans' favorite movies, favorite TV shows, top interests, where are they at in the world, 
um, and all of that stuff uh, with the, the goal of cutting down marketing costs and making marketing spend go further because now you're not just throwing your money out there hoping it, it hits interested fans, but you're really able to hit your audience right um, on the head. So is this more of a subtle kind of engaging approach as opposed to the uh, Anchorman 2 approach of, you know, the Dodge commercials and absolutely being everywhere and in your face all the time? <laughs> um, well, for most of our clients, we don't have the Dodge commercial budget. So right, we need right. to find creative ways to get around it. And so what we really do is we look uh, for ways to create active evangelists out of fans rather than um, mm-hmm. passive consumers. We figure that if we can make you know, several thousand or more fans very active, very excited, and very involved in a film process, um, maybe even while it's in production, then as that film moves along, you have, you know, many months or a year or so of that fan talking about it, building up their own following around it, um, and dragging their friends and their family to the theater to see it, rather than the fan to see a billboard or see a commercial on a Friday afternoon and decide to go see a movie that Friday night. Right. So you're kind of building on you. We always see those movies where maybe opening weekend isn't so big, but it's a great film. And then suddenly the second weekend or the third weekend, I mean, it's huge. You know, the word's gotten out. It's gone, you know, not from commercials, not from radio ads, but from people telling their friends, telling their family, hey, this was a great movie. You need to go see it. Um, So it sounds like you're kind of leveraging that type of, of movement on an individual level. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really our goal. So I know you're kind of uh, new to the entrepreneurial world. You said you kind of came from production and a, a different background, and you've been doing this for a few years now, three, four years. So what what would you be able to kind of identify as one of the key challenges you faced in, in starting out in this industry? That's a great question. Um, for me, I would say it was really the speed of it. You know, production moves, in the, the film production space that I was coming from moves moves quickly, but it moves in its own silo. So you're not necessarily dependent upon what everyone else is doing. Uh, you know, if you're making a film or if you're making several films, then they're moving through their process at a relatively, uh, on a relatively predictable scale uh, and schedule. Um, but that really is completely different from the films, from the technology space. Really when it comes to technology, you're constantly trying to update yourself based on what everyone else is doing in the community and you know where technology is at at a whole so you're almost trying to jump on a raft in the middle of white water and hang on mm-hmm. so for me it was it was a great challenge to initially come up with the concept of what i wanted to do but then also understand the business side of it and understand the um, you know the technology side of things beyond the concept and then while understanding that process and staying up to date on that process, um, carve our own niche and our own brand out. Right, right. And while that's going on, I kind of noticed in your background, you've recently kind of been uh, tagged to be a featured panelist um, you know, at the, I think it was the Variety Venture Capital and New Media Summit and Silicon Beach Fest. So maybe you could talk a little bit about those opportunities and maybe what how they connect or what they mean for your company, Film Break. Oh, I love it. Uh, that's that's some of the, my favorite things to do is be able to speak on panels and do events and whatnot. Um, I think there's a couple of very valuable takeaways that I have. Uh, for me personally, since I spend so much of my time 
in front of at least one computer working on emails or, you know, databases and whatnot, you really get very, you, you gain almost a, a tunnel vision on what your goal is and you don't have a chance to step back and see the bigger picture and see kind of where, where you're, where and how your company is impacting the broader community. And so when you, when I'm speaking on panels, I really get a chance to kind of meet people individually, completely offline, see how I can help them, see what they're working on. And it gives me a lot of ideas for how I want to move the company forward. Um, from a company perspective, it's great for the brand. Um, you know, we've met some great clients and some great partners through the New Media Summit and other events like that. Well, I'm sure it gives you the opportunity to kind of break up the work and get different perspectives. And, I mean, that's kind of channels into what we do here with the show is to bring people in and get different perspectives and then get out of the office from what we're normally doing every single day. So it sounds like that's kind of your opportunity to really stretch a little bit you know, get out of your comfort zone, get away from the monotonous work that you may be doing, even if you love it and even if it's going great, it's still, you know, the everyday grind. Um, so it sounds like a good opportunity for you. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, as you look down the road, though, what would be your long-term vision and hope for your company? In a nutshell, I'd, I'd like us to be step one. Whenever any, anyone comes up with a concept and wants to take it to market, uh, because that's really whether it be a film or whether it be a short form film content or some kind of a product, at the end of the day, everyone needs an audience. Everyone needs to find a community who's interested in what they're providing. And so my goal would be to be that first step. When someone comes up with something new, uh, I want them to be posting it up on the film break and I want them to be leveraging the, the platform that we've created so they can find their audience and they can they can set their story free, they can set their product free, and they can take it to the next level. Well, I mean, that's a, a, a great goal, very, uh, maybe an audacious goal, but certainly uh, <laughs> to, be, to be step one, you know, in a, in a big industry like that, that would be huge. We, we could we could one, one day say, remember when we had that guy on our show, you know? Uh, if, if you become <laughs> well, the, you know, the Coke of your industry or the McDonald's of your industry or, you know, the one that everyone thinks of as, as, as far as even as branding. Big goals are the fun ones. Yeah, they're the hard ones, but if you can get close, that it's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so, knowing what you know about the film and entertainment industry, even when you consider adding on additional talent pieces to your team, what are kind of the main priorities to help your company move forward? You know, towards those goals that you've set. Well, we're we're still very much a startup. You know, we're a very small team um, with a lot of people doing a lot of different tasks. And so when we bring a new member on board, it's really about, uh, you know, conveying that vision and that dream for the direction that we want to go. And we're looking for people who want to buy into what we're doing and want to be able to be a part of that for a long-term, a long-term play, whether that be with us or whether that be with some other company down the, down the line we really look for people who have those big audacious goals and really want to try to have a big impact on the world. Um, that's kind of the, the personality that we look for. Uh, as far as more um, granular traits, we, we look for two things. Uh, reliability. You know, we want people who are prompt on getting back on uh, phone calls and emails or just 
on top of their business for the most part, and then um, also an expertise in something that no one else on the team is an expert in, whether mm-hmm. that be driving eyeballs on YouTube or whether that be you know Ruby on Rails or anything in between. You know what what can they bring to the table that can that they can own um, as a part of Filmbreak and also can teach to the rest of us. I think that's an interesting um, idea that a lot of people seem to forget, especially if you want to be valuable in the workplace. There is a, a there is a place in industries to be a very well-rounded person and to have a lot of different capabilities and things that you do well. But I think it's those people who have a very specific talent and can bring a very unique, maybe not even unique, but at least a specific talent to the table, to a company that other people don't exist, whether it's you're programming in a certain way or know a certain code or a certain program, you can do something very, very well. Um, that That's a huge thing. And I think people sometimes look more to the other thing. Well, it's better that I know a little bit about these 10 programs instead of being, you know, absolutely awesome at one or two. Mm-hmm. You know, and to be able to come, especially if you're if you're interested in working for a company like Filmbreak, that is in an early stage, and you want to be a part of something exciting like that, that's the kind of thing. I mean, you got to be able to learn new things. I wear lots of hats, and that's always a part of it. But I think what you just mentioned, being able to come to the door and, or to the table and say, "Hey, I'm really good at this thing," that that's going to be the most valuable person for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, 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 kind of turning this back on yourself, then. I mean, let's. Let's say, you know, uh, one of your good friends calls you up and says, hey, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur now, and they haven't been in the past. You know, what what do you think is really the, the best piece of advice you might give that person into what it takes to be an entrepreneur and to be successful? Um, I would say just identify what, I mean, if they've already identified what they want to do, you know, what what can they create about that um that piece and you know how quickly can they create it how quickly can they prove that they have a concept here that's viable on the market and then uh, you know how quickly can they iterate upon that uh, a lot of companies and including Filmbreak, when we first started off we spent a lot of time in our rooms you know researching the market researching the competitors finding out every possible thing we could about all of them um and by the time we finished that whole process it had all changed Mm-hmm. You know, so really what I would suggest would be, you know, build an MVP and get it out there and then begin to iterate upon it once you've proven that there's a need. All right, so that situation it sounds like you guys failed quickly in the sense that you came up with one concept and realized, well, that wasn't it. We need to really be doing this based on your research. Um, so you were able to kind of do that quick pivot uh, from what you originally were going to do. Um, I think it's really important. Uh, you need to, as a startup, you really need to be flexible in terms of identifying your your revenue streams or your marketing strategy and all of the above. Um, and then to build on that, having a revenue stream early on, you know, mm-hmm. there's really nothing more attractive to investors than being able to say you already are, you know, you just launched the company and you're already ringing your cash register and you're already you know, cash flow positive and generating solid revenue. And that's how to, that's how to become, uh, you know, that's how to get a lot of people to pay attention to what you're talking about versus saying, you know, we're hoping to reach revenue in, you know, 2016, but we need this amount of financing to get to there. Well, and that's a difficult thing to do because if you're going to spend the time to research and you're going to 
make sure that you ha- you're in the right direction, that you're going to put forth a company that has a chance to be successful, people can get caught up into being too slow and taking too much time, being too methodical and thinking, almost overthinking it. Um, you know, I've heard a couple times from successful entrepreneurs many times over that if you are really happy with your first iteration of your product or your service, you probably launched, you know, not quickly enough. You, know, you should have gone quick, you know, much quicker and been unhappy with that first release, but at least, have, like you said, gotten some dollars in, tested the market, and, and started to get momentum uh, instead of trying to make everything absolutely perfect and you end up going too slow and then you end up having those other problems uh, that sometimes companies just can't recover from. So uh, one of our favorite questions to ask our guests on this show, because uh, we get such illuminating and, and varied answers, is what are you reading right now? And tell us about that book or books. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, so to take a step back before I, I dive into that, one thing that I really believe in, um, just because I do spend a lot of time in technology and you know the startups really are constantly moving at a million miles a minute. Uh, and you have a tendency when you're in this world to accomplish something and then not even really celebrate that accomplishment, but you know, dive into the next thing um, immediately. Um, I like to try to find projects or ways that, um, that I can see success and see a result in what I've done, uh, apart from technology, something that I can, you know, that's very tangible to me. So, I spend a lot of time um, with my hobbies, which are actually like building things. I build a lot of furniture. I like to repair things around my house and remodel my house. It's kind of the background that um, I had growing up. And so right now I'm actually reading a book on plumbing <laughs> so I can rework, uh, rework the plumbing in my kitchen. And thus, you've proved my point. The most, uh, one of the more varied answers, and it's certainly very applicable to your life. But I mean, we've had every the gamut of of, of responses. But I think yours is definitely on one of the ends of the spectrum. There, uh, that has to be. Uh, that's got to be a, not entirely what you were expecting. <laughs> no, but 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 fantastic at the same time because, you know, how people choose to how entrepreneurs and business owners, CEOs, how they really choose to kind of live their lives when they're not in the heat of, of their of their craft is fascinating. And for some people it's, you know, reading biographies or reading the next book, you know, about selling or about being creative. And it sounds like where you kind of get your, partly you said back to kind of how you were raised, but also, you know, into your own space and to kind of find your creative outlet is in that in that realm and so you know you're kind of really focusing in on your hobby it sounds like uh of what you like to do on your off time and as probably a way to recharge your battery so that you're fresh and you're creative and you're you know really putting in that that charge into your company yeah and it's really nice to have to take on a task and then to complete it and to be completely done with it you know and to be able to move on with that and that's not something that a lot of entrepreneurs get in their day-to-day world so mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to find that in some other avenue well i have so many unfinished projects at my house if you ever have an itch you just let me know <laughs> <laughs> i'm not ready to tackle plumbing yet but if all right you have some hardwood needs i'm i'm all about that yeah there's two things that i always i always pick up the phone for it's plumbing and electrical because i always <laughs> yeah. seem to get myself into a little bit of trouble with those uh, you know, one's, one's dangerous and the other one you end up just doing the wrong thing and you end up flooding everything. So, 
Uh, you know, one yeah, you're really playing with fire. Yeah, you're playing with fire. Yeah, absolutely. Fire or water in that case. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to ask you a little bit about your creative process. I mean, certainly quite a bit of brainstorming must have gone into your initial concept and, and and as you continue to make iterations of that, you know, I'm sure that creativity and brainstorming is very important to you and your team. How do you do that effectively? I mean, do you have some practical tips or, you know, kind of an overall process that you use that, that you find kind of really generates great ideas and a, an environment that people feel comfortable in making those suggestions? We've been very lucky as a team um, to have a group of people come together and uh, with, with just the the type of personalities that are very open to suggesting ideas and the type of personalities that are very open to, you know, either following through or shutting those ideas down. Um, and, you know, egos are able to stay out of it. So what we like to do is twofold when it comes to developing our strategy. We'll usually kind of send out a, an email to everyone that we want involved um, and say, you know, on this date, this is the type of conversation that we're going to have. Please come to the table with, several ideas on a given topic and then what we'll do is we'll we'll block out two or three hours and and you know get a room and a whiteboard and just dive into it as a team so there'll be four or five of us in the room and we'll just write all the ideas down no good ideas no bad ideas just getting everything up on paper and then go through them all and see what fits with our mission uh, of setting great stories free what doesn't fit you know what what will lead to more revenue or more user growth and what will distract us and really just drill deeper and deeper and deeper on the ideas that everyone likes and make sure that everyone's behind those ideas so we can move forward enthusiastically as a team. Well, it's an interesting uh, concept that not a lot of people have brought up on this show before is that giving everyone that opportunity to kind of think about ahead of time, almost kind of, to use a teacher's term, of front-loading everyone with the idea, maybe some information, and giving them that ample time to go back and think about it on their own, think about it, research it, you know, and develop some ideas and concepts, and then come to the table and maybe possibly be uh, more effective because you can be being influenced by other one, other people's opinions or ideas can help. But when you have a better understanding, you know of what your of what the concept is, as opposed to everyone coming in the door and then you say, okay, there's that time of trying to get everyone on the same page, get everyone caught up, get everyone in the information that they need. Sounds like you guys are doing a really good job of having everyone shut to the table, prepared and ready to really talk about these things. And you're you're not some people aren't being pulled along in the process, they should all be kind of running together. Is that how, is that kind of feel like how it works? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think at the very least it'd save time at the beginning of the meeting. If everyone can come in ready to go um, with a list of ideas that hopefully they're very excited about, then you can just dive right into that versus having to slowly start brainstorming when you're all in the room together. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you've got, uh, you know, some good ideas on, on how to, get people to, to work collaboratively and creatively. Do you, do you have any other suggestions for our listeners on how to maybe develop the talent that you do have and you know, how to get the most out of each person? I would say just, you know, the final point is just be pushing your team forward. Uh, make sure what they're doing they're excited about and make sure it's something that they see long-term potential in for themselves. Uh, you know, trying to teach someone to, trying to mold someone into a skill set that they don't have naturally or they're not excited about 
can be very difficult, um, especially in the startup world. So we try to pair, and this goes back to my uh, our other question, we try to pair up the individual with their strengths and with their interests and just give them the tools they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, our uh, final question for you today uh, is, you know, if anyone would like to find out more about your company or and what you do or possibly hire you, uh, how do they find out more about Film Break? Yeah, um, if you can reach me at contact at filmbreak.com, and then if you put my name, Taylor McPartland, in the subject line, that'll get forwarded directly to me, um, or also on all of the, the social networks that are out there now. I'm on Twitter at Tay McPartland, and then... Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn under my name as well. Fantastic. Taylor, you've been a wonderful guest and it's been uh, really interesting uh, learning more about your company and uh, uh, and and your choice in books on your off time. So <laughs> we, uh, it was a pleasure having you and we look forward to maybe having you come back uh, sometime in the future and giving us an update. That would be great. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, Stephen Rothberg is coming up next after this quick commercial break to pioneers in their respective industries. We all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. And we want to remind you the Talent Talk radio show is brought to you by People G2, a company founded in 2001 that's dedicated to helping clients with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving them access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available today on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. People G2 is recently named one of the best places to work right here in Orange County, as well as one of the fastest-growing privately held companies for the Orange County Business Journal. They've also been recognized in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest-growing privately-owned companies nationwide. So if you want to learn more what all the excitement's about, simply visit People G2. That's People G2. And now back to, oh, one more commercial. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, Invest higher. Now we can get back to Chris Dyer and his next guest. Who's up next, Chris? Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder before we get to our next guest that you can subscribe to our podcast of this show or listen to past shows by visiting octalkradio.net and clicking the Shows tab and, of course, clicking on Talent Talk. 
In the short time the show's existed, we've already amassed a huge following. As I mentioned, we've just surpassed the 12,000 uh, uh, sub- uh, subscriber mark, and we really appreciate it. My next guest is Stephen Rothberg, president and founder of collegerecruiter.com. Don't forget to tweet your questions to him live right now by sending them to at peopleg2, hashtag talent talk. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and, of course, uh, your your site there, collegerecruiter.com. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Winnipeg, uh, Canada. Um, I'm probably the only person who lives in Minneapolis that can say that I moved here for the weather. Um, <laughs> I, start, I started um, the business um, way back in 1991, so it's been about 23 years. And initially, we were publishing campus maps and employment magazines. And then this thing called the Internet came along in the mid-90s. We added a website that was absolutely designed to just be the sizzle that would help sell the steak and employers purchasing ads in our employment magazine. And then, gosh, they were on the web, and that was going to solve all their recruiting woes. Um, but within a couple of years, we could see that the Internet wasn't a fad um, and that it was the future of the business. So by 2000, we were totally online with a niche job board college recruiter. Um, our the users are primarily uh, one-year, two-year, and four-year uh, students and recent grads with up to three years of experience. The revenues come from employers that pay to advertise their job openings, either on our site or through targeted emails, targeted banner advertising. Um, most of the employers that use us are larger, Fortune 500 federal government. Um, we're really, really good at what we call volume hiring. So you know, you've been an entrepreneur you know, since your college days. So when you look at it, when you kind of start your business back in 91, that ultimately kind of grow into the company you have now at collegerecruiter.com, you know, versus what does it really take today for an entrepreneur, do you think, to really start a business? Uh, and do you see more or less challenges that, than you did when, when you started? Sure. You know, I think one of the things that most people who have never successfully started a company think is that you just need to have a great idea. I mean, I, I've heard that from friends and family members and um, a lot of very bright, very energetic um, young adults in college who, you know, want to want to start, say, a technology company. I actually think that the really good idea is probably the least important part of successful starting a business. It's much more about execution. That patents, that great product, etc. Just there are a lot of great products and there are a lot of great ideas out there. But I think what really separates those from the the products, the services that really gain a foothold, that allow a company to properly service its clients, to do some good for the community, hopefully, I think that's mostly about the execution. And and sometimes that's going to be the entrepreneur. Um, More times than not, I think it's the people that the entrepreneur surrounds herself with, Um, the professional advisors, the salespeople, the tech people, the administrative staff, whatever. I think it's actually easier to start a business today than it was when I started ours um, a couple decades ago. And, and that's simply because the, the tools of the trade for, for so many startups now are so much cheaper than they used to be. Uh, the, the computer, I mean, heck, there's this thing called the Internet that wasn't, for all intents and purposes, around in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can 
very, you know, in 1991, you had to pay for uh, telephone calls. You know, there weren't cell phones. Uh, where very, very few people had cell phones, those who did tended to have a bag phone or it was hardwired into their car. Right. The cost of using a phone would be hundreds of dollars a month, and that often is hundreds of dollars more a month than your typical startup has. Um, so you can get started a lot ch- more cheaply now than than you used to. You certainly bring up a great point about, you know, that the execution is really important, and we've had uh, so many guests, uh, I think of some really talented ones that have gone on to be angel investors or venture capitalists, and they've kind of all said the same thing, that really in the end for them, they were betting on the jockey, not the horse, meaning they're betting on the person who's driving this, who's really going to put in that execution, that dedication and hard work, than they are the, the actual idea or product or service. And to, to a certain extent, I mean, you might hit the gold mine, you might have a you know, a Google or a Facebook or something if the idea really is fantastic. But um, it's got to be driven by the right people and and done correctly. I think you're absolutely right on, on track with that. One of the things I wanted to kind of ask you, we've, we've talked about with people in the past, is you kind of think back to the process of your business, going from a startup to where you are now. Do you think you could identify kind of a key person or a key talent uh, piece that was really important and really had a positive infa- impact on your on your organization that, you know, maybe if you look back on ECGs, we got lucky or we did a really great job of fostering that or you know, that really could have been a problem for us. But, you know, is there, is there kind of that, that person or that position that you can really, you know, nail down as being really important? Yeah, you know, well, we've, we've been in business for such a long period of time and the business has really morphed um, o- over time. But I definitely see sort of some sort of significant events in our little company's history where there was something significant done by 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 a person, um, you know, on on our staff, on um, or somebody else. So, like one of the things, and I've I've talked to him about this a number of times. Um, you probably know um, a gentleman by the name of Jerry Crispin. So Jerry used to put out a book every year called Career Crossroads, him and his business partner, Mark Mailer, and they would identify like the two to 200 job boards worldwide, and um, they, they wrote like a page or two on each of them. They're now job boards, so they kind of gave up that hunt um, a few years into it. it was just, right. There were just too many job boards out there. But one of the things that Jerry did for us was he, he kind of took a pin and, and popped my entrepreneurial bubble. Um, where it was like brought me back down to earth. And I had a habit early on of, I think what Jerry would call overselling. Um, talking about what we do about our company and exaggerating it. Not, you know, rather than being a little bit modest, a little bit humble, going overboard. And, one, and Jerry basically said, you know, if you're that good, you don't need to talk about it that much. Um, that piece of advice was tremendously important. Um, another thing that happened more recently was um, a few years ago, I basically started to sort of started to step out of being in charge of the business and in managing all the, the the development team and the sales team, customer service, et cetera. And um, my wife, who's our CEO, stepped in as the CEO. Um, and she manages the technical side of our business, and that allowed me to focus more on the sales and marketing. So was not doing as good a job as I needed to be doing on the tech side, 
and she stepped in. Our website functions so much better today. Our offerings are so much better for our employer clients and for the job seekers that use our site. Um, and she's also leading the charge right now on the, the rebuild of our site. We're actually heading into version 6.0 later this year. That sounds like quite an undertaking, Matt. That, that, that's a couple pretty important uh, moments in your company's history, and it, uh, it sounds like you, you, know, you and your team were able to really kind of take that very well, catapult yourself in, into a better position and to have continued success. Uh, which is probably why, you know, such entities as you know, NBC Nightly News, U.S. News, and World Report, and Wall Street Journal have all you've kind of gotten recognition from them. So what would you say is something that helped you gain such a wide range of recognition? And and maybe that kind of falls in the same line of what is it that keeps recruiters coming and hiring managers and HR professionals coming back to your, to you as a, as a source for them? Sure. You know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, press that we've had, like you said, like NBC Nightly News, uh, you know, et cetera, a lot of that kind of builds upon itself. So if the Wall Street Journal writes an article and includes a quote from you in it, it's amazing how quickly you will then receive calls from other media sources looking for pretty much the same quote. Um, there's a lot of copy padding um, out, out in the media. And but still, you know, to get into one good publication to get that ball rolling is something that can be quite difficult. Um, a service that we used to use to kind of help us get that ball rolling um, is owned by a friend of mine. Um, it's called PR Leads. And I think it's something like 100 bucks a month. And you subscribe to it and you tell the service, you tell PR Leads, you know, that, that you're a you know, recruiter who is focused on recruiting IT talent in the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, or whatever it might be. And then you get each day um, one or more emails from journalists who are looking for quotes from people like you. So rather than having to pitch them, send out press releases, the journalists are basically coming to you. We use that with tremendous success because then I could see that USA Today or the New York Times or the Chicago Tribune or CNN or whatever, that they were working on a story for which I had some expertise. I would email the journalist, tell them this is who I am, this is what I would be able to contribute to your story. Sometimes I get quoted, sometimes I wouldn't. But again, as soon as you start to get quoted, then it snowballs and you get a lot of other media um, coming to you. We then turned that... Um, public relations, those public relations successes, and that allowed us to gain credibility in the eyes of our clients, the HR managers, the college re relations managers, etc. Because if they didn't know about us, but they saw that we were quoted in the Wall Street Journal, even if they didn't see the article, if they just knew that we were quoted in the Wall Street Journal, then they felt we were credible. They could trust us. And that helped. But, you know, at the end of the day, all the media coverage in the world is really meaningless if the results aren't there. And so, you know, we will have client try us for a month. And if we get good results for them, they will keep coming back over and over and over again. So buzz is important, but substance is what's going to be the difference between having real staying power and, and real success versus just a bunch of media coverage that is forgotten just about as quickly as it 
you know, a, a, as it comes out. Yeah, especially if you're not delivering, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you say you're great, you better be great. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> if someone's actually going to, if you say you're great and you have some third party saying, well, yeah, they might be great, yeah, you better deliver or you're not going to be around very much longer. So, yeah. as a president of the company, what do you see as a key message you want your employees to hear when it comes to kind of maximizing their own talent and potential? Yeah, we care passionately about the candid experience, not just for people who are using our site to find jobs with um, employers that are advertising their jobs with us, but we also walk that walk internally. And if there's a really um, great person out there who wants to work for us and we just do not have the right opportunity for them at that moment in time, we're small enough and nimble enough that sometimes we'll create that opportunity. Um, you know, if you work in a 50,000-person company, it's much harder to do something like that. Um, we, we'll, we'll modify our, the job roles to fit the talent of the people that we're hiring, and one person with really great talent can be a transformative hire. They can really transform your business or really improve it in, in some sometimes expected, sometimes very unexpected ways. But we also, we really believe in developing talent. Um, one of the things that really annoys me when it comes to in some employers of college students and recent grads is that those employers have this, I think, unex unrealistic expectation that every single person they hire should be well qualified and able to hit the ground running. And the reality is when you're doing college hiring, and, and we do some of it for our own staffing, you need to be willing to train people. And if you're not willing to train them, I don't think you should be in, I don't think you should be hiring college students in recent grad. It's just kind of part and parcel. So we try very hard to develop um, our employee talent. Let them fail. Um, you know, let them go off on a project with a bit of a noose around their neck, you know, so don't let them go too far off, off, off the deep end. Um, but let them try things, let them learn things. Um, and, and we really listen to them, and I think more than anything else, I think we've been successful at building a culture of collaboration where we truly care about each other as people, and it's not at all unusual to see one of our developers sending an idea for an article to our staff writer. Definitely not part of the job description. They definitely don't have to do that. Nobody would think anything less of them, but they care about our company as a whole, and they care about our mission. If they see that there's an article that our staff writers should be putting out to help the students and grads using our site, they're going to let that staff writer know about it so that we can do a better job of serving those users. So if you think back to some of the people that really influenced you as a leader, what would you say were Maybe one of the two people that kind of impacted you the most, because it sounds like you've got a pretty clear idea of what you're doing. You're implementing a, a very positive and effective approach for your employees. So I'm sure this didn't all just magically pop in your head, and you didn't own it all in college. There must have been some people that you know influenced you and really kind of showed you the light. Do you, do you have any of those that you can kind of reference for us? Yeah, so one one was my father. Um, he's an entrepreneur himself. He comes from a long line of entrepreneurs, and, and um, I grew up watching him start his business, go through good times, go through bad times, 
um, he would be the first to say he did a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. And by, by, by watching him and how he operated, and I share some of his um, personality traits, that's been good. Um, one lesson he taught me is, um, and it's, it's kind of amusing, but it's also very true for an entrepreneur, that you'll always have enough time in the day to do two things. Number one is send out an invoice, and number two, take checks to the bank. Um, in other words, you always have to be focused on cash flow. You can have a great business and be selling a lot, but if you're not, if cash isn't coming in the door, at least as fast as it's going out of the door, you're not going to be around to employ people and to service your clients um, for very long. Um, another person that really influenced me is when I was in grad school, I worked for Honeywell. And my boss was a, a senior VP there. He reported to the CEO. My boss was incredibly, Marv Granite, was incredibly smart politically. And I say that word in with all the positive context. He was always looking for situations where he could create a win-win. The other department or other person that he was working with, he wanted it to be a win for his own department and for that other department or the other organization. He was never interested in winning by making the other person lose. Um, and I've tried to take that that to heart when we're working with our, our clients and, and vendors. Uh, that's a great point. I mean, you can kind of frame that in lots of different ways, but, you know, another way is looking at it through the other person's perspective, and if it's not beneficial to them, if, if they can't, if you can't imagine how it would be good for them, you know, it's probably not going to be good at all for anybody. Um, and it's amazing how many Absolutely. people really operate on a regular basis on what's good for them exclusively and trying to jam that down people's throats, and then they get a lot of resistance, and it can really uh, damage a culture in a company. Yep, absolutely. So, we know, you know, you kind of have all these different parts of, of, of what has helped you be successful and talented, and, and I imagine that one of those might also be kind of this ongoing education, and this leads us to our favorite question to ask our guests, and that is, what are you reading right now? <laughs> I, de- I, I do not tend to read very much, um, you know, in, in the way of books from, on um, business-related books. Um, I, I read all day. I read a lot of blogs um, and uh, more emails than I could ever count. <laughs> so you, when, I'm, when I'm doing reading, it tends to be just um, completely non-work-related. Um, but the, the book that I'm reading right now is called Blues Highway Blues. And it's um, it's a thriller book that I was just kind of like cruising the Amazon bookstore, saw it was highly rated, downloaded it, and it's been kind of like turn on your turn off your brain and go with it, enjoyment, enjoyable reading. So many of our guests have said that that's an important part for them to be able to escape into something else, whether it's a fiction you know, type book, whether it's a biography and just trying to understand an important figure in history. Um, for a lot of people, that's a really important thing. And for others, they need to just constantly be immersed in whatever they're doing and re- be reading the next book on the topic or to be creative or to, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but you're definitely not in the minority as far as your response goes. I mean, a lot of people spend a great deal of time getting there, maybe content for work and things from blogs and then maybe escaping uh from 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 work by by looking at you know the world through a different different set of eyes you know mm-hmm. yep or watching or watching you know Breaking Bad or, or Walking Dead <laughs> just, 
Yeah, we all we, your we, brain sometimes quite literally and go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we all have those those ones as well. Uh, for some reason, those, those don't ever seem quite as enlightening as the books or what we're reading. I'm not sure why, but so. uh, sometimes they're much more enlightening, actually. <laughs> and we could add that as a question: What are you watching right now? <laughs> so, Felix and the Walking Dead. There, there we go. There we go. Yeah, we, if you haven't caught up on. Uh, on a, well, you, you, uh, Breaking Bad, we won't ruin it for you. So good. <laughs> you know we're uh, getting down here to the end, and we're almost out of time. Uh, wanted to make sure that uh, people know how to how to reach you. We did mention your company name a few times, but maybe you can uh, remind everyone listening how they can reach you and learn more about your site and what your company does. Sure, um, we're kind of all over social media so definitely you know feel free to reach out to us through through twitter we have a couple of accounts um one is at stephen rothberg s-t-e-v-e-n r-o-t-h-b as in bravo e-r-g um that one is primarily for employers uh job seeker um twitter account is at entry level job um, you can catch us on Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. You can email me at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, at collegerecruiter.com. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for being uh, my guest today. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, being here, and we've enjoyed uh, learning more about you and your company. Thank you for the opportunity. That's about all the time we have today. Thank you again to my special guest. Taylor McPartland and Stephen Rothberg. Uh, tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Talent Talk, brought to you by People G2, to hear Brenda Williams, founder of Your Coaching Solution, and Ujnath, chairman and CEO of MyKarma.com. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2. A company dedicated to helping clients with their people related decisions. People G2.